Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It would have been really nice to have even just one of our scripture readings this morning be a nice, soft landing spot for us, wouldn't it? After all, this is that time of year when we start inviting new people to church. The summer season is over, and we're starting to get uh, the news about all the good things that we do here in this congregation out into the world, trying to attract new participation and make space for people to say, I'd like to be part of that. Instead, we get to hear Jesus say, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. And in Hebrews, we get the recounting of persecution and trials that come with living by faith in a world that will not have it. And then right on cue from Jeremiah, way back in the Old Testament, we get this. Straight from God's own lips, is my word not like fire? says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces? That is not exactly a warm, cuddly, inviting word designed to attract new people like flies to honey, but rather it is more like vinegar scaring them away. It's a hard, sharp destroying word, cutting and shattering our hopes and expectations. It's literally a fiery word. It's powerful, even dangerous, so that even when we want it here at this time, God's word does not come to be soft and gentle and quiet like a pillow sitting in the corner of a room just waiting to be used. That is, it does not sit idly in the corner watching the world go by, but rather God's word is alive and active, invading this troubled world. It's what Luther called a thunderbolt when he was reading and quoting from Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah 23, this thunderbolt by which God strikes both open sinners and false saints so that no one but God would be righteous and just in themselves. So it may not be inviting, but it is a strong word for us today. For you see, Jeremiah was angry. Angry at what he saw in the world. Angry at the people around him. Angry probably even with God for what God was doing, taking his people into exile. It was a time of strife and chaos for God's people. Their nation was under multiple threats some from the outside, from neighboring nations that were threatening to overrun their borders and take them off the land. Others from the inside, be it political corruption or the lies that they're told or just the hearts of God's people, the sinners that he had chosen for himself, ruining their nation. 
In times of trial and struggle like this, people always seek comfort. And because they seek comfort, they look for someone who will give them the comfort they seek. They search for that person who will give them that word or that thing that will put them at ease to take a load off their mind and offer peace even when there is no peace. To give them rest in the midst of their trouble because it's just too much to bear. And to fulfill that need, to to speak into that vacuum, there were no shortage of false prophets claiming to speak God's word, saying, I know what God has for us. He wouldn't do anything mean. But in truth, they were only speaking of their own dreams. Let them speak their dreams, but let the one with God's word speak it from God. But they would speak their own hopes and dreams, giving their own word as God's word, slapping God's name on a bumper sticker on the back of a 58 Edsel and calling it the best thing they'd ever seen. Speaking tenderly and softly, gaining approval and and gathering a following by filling the ears and souls with idle, soft, bland words. Nice on the ear, gentle, affirming, and supportive of all of your dreams. Isn't it amazing that even though times change, the formula never seems to? We comfort people with the words that they want to hear. We flock to those who tell us what we already want to hear. I suppose that's why Jesus' words strike us so strangely today as well. Don't we want to call him the Prince of Peace? And isn't he supposed to be loving and gentle and kind? Goodness, who even let Jesus speak these strange words in Luke chapter 12? Last week... We found him cryptically talking about breaking into your house at an unexpected hour in order to steal all of your goods. And here today, he's coming directly, clearly, saying it right out that he has not come to bring peace but division. That's a thunderbolt. That shakes our world. That shatters our expectations. It's not the word that we want or the word that we would expect, but it's so direct and it's so booming that it strikes right at its mark. It hits us squarely in our ears and breaks us to pieces, shattering us utterly in all even the bubbles and lives we create for ourselves. That is what we would call a strong word. God's strong word doing its work. Not giving a do-nothing comfort and a life of ease, but giving a comfort. The comfort of revealing God through his own living and active word. A word of strength and power that doesn't just watch the world go by or 
is ready for us to use when we want it, but is powerful enough to save us from a world of sin and death by entering in to sin and death rather than sitting comfortably on the sidelines waiting for us to choose God or accept what he has to say. Instead, God's word, that living word, Jesus Christ in the flesh steps into the world, into the sin and death of the world with nothing but a simple, solitary word of promise that cannot be thwarted even by death. This is what we mean then by God's word. It is God's word that is an external word that comes to us from outside of ourselves, outside of our world, and into the world, into our very lives, pouring out not from inside our hearts or our experiences or our sincere wishes. It comes not from our dreams or our hopes for the world. In fact, it doesn't come from us at all. It's like an alien. It comes from God's kingdom into this and makes us his own. So no wonder it frightens us when we hear a strong word from God. No wonder our survival instincts kick right in. It seems that that thunderbolt, that word is taking everything away from us, stealing everything we've hoarded for ourselves. And so we start to fight or we start to flee. Fight or flight, that's how we keep our lives, is it not? In the fight, we directly oppose. No, God wouldn't say something like that. I won't have it. I won't believe in a God who would do such a thing. We oppose him directly, saying, I don't think that's what God says. That's not what I would want God to do. Or we try to escape it, hold it off a ways, keep it in the corner, and keep our little life going as we would want it. We flee from the word, cl plugging our ears, saying, you can't, you can't catch me. I don't want to hear it. If I don't hear it, I can keep my own life and my own world together. But whether we oppose it or try to escape it, either way, it shows that we simply will not have it. And so God's word has to come and invade the space that we try to carve for ourselves. And when we are resigned to this, we still kick and scream, don't you know? We try to moderate it. It's like eating a bowl of ice cream. Don't eat the whole gallon. Just one scoop today, one scoop tomorrow. Oh, yes, God, we'll take a little bit of word for today, a little bit of word for tomorrow, but Jesus will not have it. He comes into the world with all of God's might and power in that word of promise. I have come to bring fire, he says. I've come not to bring peace, but division, to break this world into pieces. And in doing so, he does the strangest thing. Taking all these factions that have been lined up against him, telling him to stop giving this word, stop being merciful, stop being strong, he unites them. He unites the entire world 
in opposition to himself so that they would all in unison bring him to trial and the cross and death. There on the cross, of course, is the word we cannot escape, God's judgment. You are sinner, breaking us, shattering us, destroying creation. But it has to be that hard to break our hard hearts, to break our hardness of life, to shatter us and break us down, to break us out of our attachments to the things of this world and the lives that we would create for ourselves, to break us down utterly so that we could be created anew for life in Christ. And so there on the cross, showing us our brokenness and his death, he brings all of our fears right out into the open, fearing that our very lives are at stake, fearing that all that we have accomplished in this world has, been, has brought us to nothing. And he brings that for everyone right out into the open, bringing this whole episode to the very crux of God's kingdom in order to speak that one final word to his sinners, that thing that we fear the most that he would say to us, I found you guilty. And he gives you that one final thunderbolt. I forgive you. I forgive you. Freeing us finally from this world to live in God's kingdom. Or as we might say as we did today in our blessing of the students, God's blessing to you as you look out into the world and see brokenness and death surrounding and threatening to say God has chosen you and blessed you and is with you wherever you go. Does he not fill the earth and the heavens? Is he not with you all the time? Do you not know that he has given you new life in Christ? So I stand here today in this word given to us by God which allows me to give you this word. Not because I'm such a nice guy and I like you all so much or to gain your favor. I'm not here to give you a word that you can accept and then make it true. We're going to give you this fiery, strong, hammer-smashing, all-of-your-dying-hopes kind of word in order to tell you this one simple thing, this word that comes not from me or even from our nice, gentle congregation full of good ministries and kind people, but a word that comes from Christ himself on the other side of the cross, that word that comes after his death at our hands, that strong and living word of God who gives us the promise of resurrection by saying in all of those places we refuse to go, peace to you. Amen.